0: Hello and welcome to the Underwater Technology Podcast from SUT, the Society for Underwater Technology. My name's Steve Hall, I'm the CEO, and each week we're bringing you interviews with our members and friends from the wide family of underwater technology organizations. This is an additional podcast. I interviewed two people from the World Ocean Day special on the 8th of June. That was Ariel Troisi and Francesca Santoro, I'm just going to reissue the recording with Francesca as a separate episode for those who want to learn a little bit more about the ocean literacy work being done by UNESCO's Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission and how it ties into the forthcoming ocean decade. So over to you, Francesca. Thank you, Steve, and hello,
1: everyone. Uh, I'm Francesca Santoro, uh, and I'm a program specialist at the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission of UNESCO. And uh, my background is in environmental sciences. I have a master's degree uh, in uh, environmental sciences with a specialization in marine sciences. And then I have uh, a PhD on sustainable development. Uh, And uh, I studied in Venice, where I'm actually based. And uh, during the course of my studies, I also had the chance to spend some time in the UK, actually, at the the time, Southampton Oceanography Centre. And Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, in other countries uh, in Europe. Uh, I joined UNESCO in 2011 after some years in the academia and uh, I worked in Paris for five years and then I moved to the UNESCO office in Venice in 2016.
0: Excellent and if I remember correctly Francesca the first time I met you, you you were very involved in tsunami warning systems weren't you?
1: Indeed, indeed. When I joined UNESCO, my first uh, task was to uh, coordinate the work uh, of the setting up of the tsunami warning system for the Northeastern Atlantic and the Mediterranean Sea. So at the time, the system was not yet in place. So my role was actually to coordinate the activities of the 39 member states of that system to see how we could uh, develop some uh, tools and uh, processes to help setting up the system. And I was also working, uh, of course, on the technical component of the system, but I was also involved in the creation of the Tsunami Information Center for uh, the region, which... uh, was all about sharing information about tsunami, uh, educating people, informing people, and I have to say I enjoyed a lot that work uh, and I learned a lot during that work uh, as I was very much collaborating with uh, people from civil protection uh, around the the region and uh, it was really a very interesting experience.
0: Mm yeah certainly and i i know when i was engaged in the unesco system the the tsunami warning community it's it's a very special bunch of people isn't it you know it, you know from all all over the world but obviously particularly in those places that uh, are at risk from those kind of extreme events
1: Yes, yes. yes it's, um, I, I think it's, it's very interesting to work on topics like you know, natural disaster management because it's, it's uh, such an interdisciplinary topic. I mean, you need to take into con- consideration so many aspects. You know, there, there are, as I mentioned, technical aspects, of course, uh, but uh, there's a lot uh, about, you know, the perception of people about risk, uh how you manage risk how you you know coordinate uh, all the you know evacuation activities for example so the educational part so is is really a very highly interdisciplinary topic and for that reason i enjoy that uh, a lot
0: yeah And and I suppose that that brings us directly to the area you're working in today, which is very much about how we engage the general public and industry and policymakers and others in uh, how we, you know, work with the ocean and learn about the ocean and share knowledge, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I um, I've been coordinating since 2015 the uh, ocean literacy activities of the IOC of UNESCO, and uh, I've I've really enjoyed them, enjoying a lot working on on this uh, topic. Uh, also, because it's it's quite interesting because the ocean literacy framework and approach uh started in in the US and at, at the beginning it was really all about having more ocean science uh, in schools in in formal curriculum but i think that now that the concept of ocean literacy is is evolving quite a lot and is becoming an approach uh, a tool for uh, the society as a whole and as you as you said it's about engaging different actors uh, different stakeholders and i would say is it goes i mean a little it's 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 not only about increasing the awareness of people about the ocean, but it's really empowering them to use that knowledge to, you know, to make business in a different way, to take decisions in a different way, or just to be uh, a scientist or a citizen in a different way. So I, I really like the idea that, um, with ocean literacy programs and projects we are able to give skills and tools to people to take the amazing knowledge that is produced by the scientific community and to use that knowledge to uh, really drive actions
0: yeah so for our listeners who haven't come across this phrase ocean literacy before uh, how would you describe it
1: so the the i mean the definition of ocean literacy uh, the internationally acknowledged definition of ocean literacy says that it's about the understanding the ocean influence on us and our influence on the ocean so um, it's it's based on on a framework of uh, seven essential principles that I uh, like to call the ABC of ocean knowledge. Uh, these mm-hmm. principles are like building blocks that we can use to better understand the ocean. And they go from principle one, which is the one I prefer that says that, uh, you know, there is only one big ocean on, on this planet, uh, to other principles that are uh, highlighting the fact that the ocean is key in the climate system, uh, is key for biodiversity, but also that there is a strong connection between the ocean and human beings.
0: Brilliant. That's a, that's a great way of putting it across. And I know for those of us who are native English speakers, ocean literacy, you know, the, it's fairly self explanatory. Um, Sometimes in languages other than English, the the concept doesn't translate quite so well, but I I think we're getting there uh, globally now, uh, you know, with people understanding these these seven, uh, you know, the seven building blocks of ocean literacy. And we're beginning to see quite a number of governments put policies into place to help deliver uh that that framework whether it's at schools or among decision makers and, and certainly at the university level
1: yeah yeah i have to say that uh from the beginning of my work on ocean literacy i've seen you know the interest on the topic growing exponentially i would say um you know there are countries that are traditionally involved in in the topic and of course as i mentioned uh, before everything started in the U.S. So, of course, our uh, American colleagues are uh, very much advanced in, in ocean literacy, but also in the U.K. there are interesting projects, but in other countries like Portugal, uh, Sweden mm-hmm. and Europe are doing, you know, a very interesting thing. And what is nice is what you actually said, that it goes across different levels and across different sectors. So, of course, there is a lot of work done in the formal education system. But again, there is a lot of work done in in the non-formal context. So we work a lot, for example, with uh, aquariums. We work a lot with uh, uh, zoos. We work a lot with the science museums, for example. So uh, we, we really try to develop um activities that can be then implemented in 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 different contexts
0: okay so give me uh, some some examples of the kind of things you're you're working on at the moment francesca
1: so uh a couple of years ago we published uh an ocean literacy toolkit um, and we published that toolkit in English, French, and Spanish. And the good thing is that just now, uh, on the occasion of the World Oceans Day, we are releasing two more versions, so one in Portuguese and one in Italian. Uh, mm-hmm. And this toolkit is, um, is made of two parts. The first part is actually a more theoretical part, uh, Comp- the, the more the most theoretical component of of the publication and it explains a little bit the history of ocean literacy it also goes through a number of good practices around the world on how ocean literacy is implemented but also at the very end gives an, uh, some insights on you know the future of ocean literacy but what is interesting is that the second part of the toolkit uh, contains 14 lesson plans uh, that are ready to be used in, as I mentioned before, both in formal and non-formal contexts. And these uh, activities um are quite interdisciplinary in nature. So, of course, there are a lot of activities uh, on, uh, you know, science topics like, you know, ocean acidification or ocean circulation. But uh, we also try to develop activities that could engage, for example, music, art, literature, Uh, Because, you know, we we should not forget that the ocean is also a source of inspiration. So we wanted to propose to the teachers or to the educators the idea that they could talk about the ocean uh, in in many different ways and using different starting point or entry points. So the the toolkit is actually tested in uh, the UNESCO network of schools. Uh, It's a network for uh, those uh, that don't know. It's uh, an official network of associated schools to UNESCO. Uh, It's it's made of about, I think, 12,000 schools all around the world. And actually, our toolkit is being tested in 35 countries around the world. So uh, we are pretty happy about uh, the distribution also of, of countries that are Uh, testing the toolkit because we go from europe to asia to south america north america and uh, we are getting very positive feedback uh, from uh, from the teachers and educators that are using the toolkit Uh, one other interesting thing uh, that we we started last year and that i hope to continue this year uh, is a training on ocean literacy for the private sector so the idea was to you know um Try to give some basic information to people that are working in the private sector on uh, the ocean, but then also trying to present some best practices, some stories about how uh, one can transform a business into a more sustainable one, especially when it comes to ocean protection and conservation.
0: Okay. And of course, many of our SUT members tend to be in the private sector and in ocean businesses. So if they want to find out more about ocean literacy or to become involved in the program, how how do they do that?
1: So we have uh, a platform, uh, which is uh, oceanliteracy.unesco.org. Uh, This platform is uh, the place where people can find out what is ocean literacy about, but also, you know, share their resources, share their information, uh, write articles, um, meet uh, other uh, ocean literacy experts, ask questions to the experts, So I think that the best way would be to go on the platform and have a sense of the activities that we are developing in the IOC, uh, but also uh, to be aware of the different activities that are happening around the world. It's quite interesting to see that uh, there are already a number of uh, networks, ocean literacy networks, uh, developed on a regional basis, I would say, so... Uh, there is one in Europe, which is co- which is called EMSI, so is the European Marine Science Educators Association. Yes. Uh, but there is one for Asia. There is one, of course, in the U.S., uh, one in Canada, and um, there is one that is actually being setting up now for South America. Ocean literacy is becoming quite an an important element uh, for the UN Decade of Ocean Science for sustainable development, um, it's uh, we have uh, started to think about, you know, to develop a, an actual strategy for ocean literacy in the context of the ocean decade, and we have had um, a big consultation uh, with uh, more than 400 people that have responded to a questionnaire because we wanted to hear from people what were their priorities for uh, Uh, for ocean literacy in the context of the decade. And we have come up with the idea that we will focus on four main priority areas. One is advancing policy. The second one is formal education. The third one is corporate action. And the fourth one is community engagement. So the idea is that we will set up a number of long-term objectives uh, for each of those areas, Uh, And then we will identify, um, together with with, uh, a number of partners, what are the best uh, actions and activities that we can uh, put in place to to get to that final objectives that we have set up. So I'm hopeful that uh, ocean literacy, um, during the decade, we will be able to achieve a number of those objectives.
0: So somebody wants to get involved in the scheme, is there a way for them to engage, Francesca?
1: Yeah, well, there is uh, a platform that uh, the IOC is setting up for uh, being uh, part of the decade, uh, which is uh, the Decade Alliance that we were supposed to launch uh, at the Lisbon conference uh, this year. Uh, but the idea is to still keep uh, the program and the plans as we were, uh, you know, thinking even before the COVID-19 emergency. So uh, there is a possibility of, for everyone to be involved in the decade. And for this specific uh, topic, I would invite uh, the listeners to go and look at the Ocean Decade website, uh, which is oceandecade.org and uh, on that website uh, it's possible to find you know contacts and to find more information resources publications so uh, there are a number of opportunities on how you know people can be engaged and involved in in the decade process
0: thanks francesca and uh, i should add uh, that sut Uh, Is also an observer member of the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission. Uh, That means, you know, we don't have voting rights or anything, but we are able to take part in the process. And I'm sure any of our members who want to find out more about how to engage with Ocean Decade or Ocean Literacy or these kind of intergovernmental activities uh, altogether, just get in touch with me or another member of the SUT team and we can put you in touch with the right people. Now, another area uh, before we come to the end, Francesca, I I know that you've been very supportive and interested in in recent years is encouraging voice of female scientists and technicians and engineers in our industry as well. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to add on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. This this is a a topic very dear to my heart. And uh, uh, we are trying uh, also in the context of the decade to, you know, to, find ways to help uh, young female scientists but engineers as you mentioned as well Uh, and uh, we are thinking that the best way would be to develop mentoring program because we we believe in in the in the power of uh, you know getting people together and uh, we are trying to to see with the most experienced colleagues that are you know helping us in in the development uh, process of the decade plan to see how we can enhance the role of female scientists uh, in in the decade and there is another uh, interesting development um in in again in the context of the planning phase of the decade which is the fact that we have established uh, a group of early career ocean professionals so um it's it's still an informal group but very active though so i invite uh, uh the young colleagues of yours to 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 learn more about this group uh and to maybe uh, think about joining the group uh to again be uh, able to help us um making the voice of the early career ocean professionals to be heard
0: Okay, and again, where, where would they find links again, to that? Again, on
1: the Ocean Decade, uh website.
0: Great, thanks Francesca. Really interesting stuff. For our listeners, that was an additional podcast. Uh, so we've just separated out Francesca's interview from the double act that we had on Monday the 8th broadcast so that you could just hear the section on ocean literacy if it's of interest. So find out more about SUT at sut.org. Contact me at steve.hall at sut.org. Don't forget to review, rate and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks to Emily Boddy for our theme music and our cover art. And we look forward to meeting you again for the next of our underwater technology podcasts at sut.buzzsprout.com.